Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. My intention with this experiment is to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview artists, makers, entrepreneurs, and creatives from all walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up the next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that may be. These interviews are evidence of that fact. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends, family, and all those creative people you know out there. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Taylor Gallegos. I'm the host of this wonderful conversation called Art and Life. This is all about creativity and how that element, that energy runs through people of all different backgrounds. And today, I am interviewing my little sweet sister, Mia Belting. Um, Mia happens to be 19 years younger than me. So we've got an awesome little relationship where, uh, yeah, Mia was basically raised with brothers, two brothers, but they're almost like uncles or adult parents or I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I give Mia advice and then sometimes I just shut up and I let her give me advice because she's a, a wise being, as you'll get to see in this interview. Um, yeah, today we talk about growing up in this world and what that's like um you know it's a very strange time compared to when I grew up and when people older than me grew up and then like what it's like going to college right now she's in her third year at the University of Washington and then we dive into her views on creativity and uh and the world so without further ado Mia Belting Welcome everybody to the Art and Life podcast. Today, today is a special one. I have my little sister Mia on the call. Um, I really wanted to get a uh, a younger perspective, someone from the the younger generation on life and creativity and what what's going on in the world today. So, uh, Mia, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um. Why don't you start by just telling everybody who you are, where you're from, and how you got to where you're at and what you do. Uh, cool. Well, my name is Mia Belting. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I grew up in Lafayette, Colorado, which is outside of Boulder. Um, right now, I am actually in Bozeman, Montana, but usually around this time, I am in Seattle, Washington, going to school at the University of Washington. Um, I am majoring in political science with a minor in Spanish. It'll be my third year this year. Um, And yeah, I guess at school, I'm pretty into like leadership, um, leadership groups on campus and then my major and minor 
Um, but right now I'm kind of just enjoying the wilderness in Bozeman, Montana. Yeah, which is really different than what you had for the whole spring. Yeah, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a change. Do you want to tell everybody what that was like? I mean, you were in King County, the epicenter, Seattle, of everything going on with COVID lockdowns. Yeah. What was that uh, like? I mean, it was it was pretty wild. Um, you know, it was definitely at the very beginning when there started being COVID cases in in Washington and they were popping up all around us. It was kind of alarming. And I had like people who I hadn't heard from in years reaching out to me, asking me if I was okay. And so that was pretty weird at the beginning. Um, And then, you know, we basically went into lockdown or lockdown. We had a stay at home order in Seattle. Um, I was living on campus with three of my roommates, but pretty much everyone I knew other than my roommates and a few of my friends were just going home for the spring quarter. Um, And so for about three months, I saw my three roommates and then a couple of my friends um, and I left my apartment to go get groceries and to go on small walks but I was basically locked in a little four-bedroom apartment for two or three months Jeez, and it's like it uh, I mean it's crazy to me because it's such a different college experience than than everybody's used to it's like all the students that are graduating this year and then like going to college now it's like such a whole different thing yeah no kidding (laughs) Uh, we're a little bit more spread out than I think most people are used to yeah it's it's got to be a trip I mean it's a trip for me to think about like what like how different your experience of life is by growing up in this time period where I mean, COVID is one example, but then like uh, global warming is a thing and it, and it has been before, but it feels like it's like really reaching a boiling point right now. Like the world is a real crazy place and you're just like, a, uh, you know, a young person coming up in the world and being like, what the fuck did you guys leave us? <laughs> and do you feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I'm kind of in a constant state of anger and I don't know, lots of anger, um, just about kind of the world that we were left with and, and like the complacency of so many people in this whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and that's why I feel like there, it creates a space for like a Greta, thornburg yeah because that it's like it creates the situation where young people are just like stuck with what they're given which is this crazy world that's totally mixed up yeah and and greta as well as so many other young activists were 
kind of like a way for young people to to funnel their or our rage and enthusiasm towards the climate crisis like I don't know I think I don't think she got big because a bunch of adults started looking at her I think she got big because a bunch of young people were like yeah what she says (laughs) like hello is anyone listening to us um and people started to listen to her but you know even now even with Greta like she's super famous all around the world like talks in incredible important um settings and situations but she still kind of you know gets like a pat on the head and congratulated for speaking at the UN but then they go back to normal business right yeah and it's uh, I mean it's really cool that nowadays you can have an impact as a young person through social media, through your voice, through that sort of thing. Like, um, like kids didn't have the same voice 50 years ago and kids couldn't like connect in any sort of meaningful way before that social media. Now everyone's got a phone in their hand. It's like a whole, like you have the younger, younger grouping of everybody actually can like leverage their collective voice. Yeah. I mean, social media has done a lot for all sorts of different movements. Um, But I think that like growing up with more social media has allowed young people to kind of, you know, use it in ways that people who didn't grow up with it um, don't know how to, I guess. Yeah, what do you think, like, I mean, I'm sure that anything that you do from a young age, you get really fluent at, you get really good at it in ways that if you pick it up as an adult, it's like you're nowhere near as good. Um, Like, what do you think that effect has been like, like you growing up? Like, I mean, when was the first time you started using a cell phone? Um... I got a little flip phone in sixth grade because that's when I started taking the bus to school. (laughs) For Um, for everyone listening, I'm 37 years old and you're 19. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) there's a big age gap here that we're talking about. Okay. So you got a flip phone in sixth grade. Yep. Yeah. Do you feel like that's influenced your your life? Like, do you feel like the digital world is, I mean, maybe you don't have anything to compare it to. So maybe it wouldn't seem like anything outside of normal reality. Yeah, I mean, I think it has definitely been, like, always been there from when, you know, because I feel when you hit middle school when you're like a tween ager or whatever um you you start to have a different perspective on the world and like for me I think I just went more the cynical route and social media definitely fed into that um because I think like you know if I hadn't had a phone if I hadn't had even just like access to the internet like you you wouldn't see 
as many of the like horrible things going on or even just like body image issues you wouldn't see all of the ads and targeting that kind of builds into those things um I don't know I think in some ways social media is great I don't have the best perspective on it just because I don't love what it's done in my life um but at the same time like I mean right now with the incredible Black Lives Matter movement that's going on like I don't think any of that would have been possible to the extent that it is right now without the platforms that they're using yeah there's definitely a lot of social uh things that are catalyzed through it yeah hmm now right now you're in montana you're staying with cam our brother and the family What's uh what's that done for you like getting out of the city and then just like being you know in a very rural place where you can go hiking all the time and get out in the world Um it's been really great in some ways and really hard in others Um I mean being able to like go outside and be on a trail where I run into one person instead of not being able to like be alone at any point on a trail is, is a huge difference and it's been really awesome especially you know I'm I'm really lucky to be here especially during the coronavirus um, because I get the opportunity to go outside um, and kind of experience more life than I felt like I was experiencing um, in a little apartment but at the same time like you know part of it is super isolating like I haven't seen anyone my age in I mean since the beginning of June I think hmm. yeah totally and you're hanging you're hanging out with the fam you're hanging out with our nieces who are little kids sweet little things yeah. And then, all right. Yeah. I mean, is it? And at this point, it's like hard to be social. So I'm sure it's really challenging to even like meet anybody your age anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even trying. Like, what's the point? I'd, at this point, I'd, like, even if I did meet someone, it's not like I could go and hang out with them or go. I mean, I could go on a hike with them and stay six feet apart, but it, I don't know, that feels kind of depressing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, you're planning on going back to school. Yes. Yep. I am going back to Seattle um, in about a month. Wow. What's yeah. that going to be like? I have no idea honestly um it'll be more well I mean at this point who knows actually but it'll be more opened up than it was when I was there 
in the spring. Um, but like, I'm still not, I'm not going to restaurants. I'm not going and hanging out with a bunch of people. All of my classes are remote. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I think I'm, I'm taking a car up there, hopefully, um, which will be nice um, to hopefully kind of escape Seattle for a little while. But I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing a lot of things about college and how they're going to try to do it at different places. And it's like, there's just so much to it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite understand it because like we got we or at least the University of Washington, we were the first university to go completely remote. Um and that was when there was a fraction of the cases that there are now in the United States. Um so the idea that we're going to be going back to school, even in a hybrid manner, it just kind of seems a little bizarre to me. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> the, word, the bizarre is a really good word for the world right now. Yes. Yes. Feels and yeah. And it's crazy because everybody's experiencing their own little version of bizarre. Yeah. I feel like I'm experiencing a pretty lucky version of bizarre. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. I've, I mean, our our whole family is pretty healthy right now. And yeah. even with that, we are so privileged. Yeah. Yeah the healthcare if we needed it you're such a conscious human being Mia well I just don't like to think that I ever know all of it like I don't know I do my best to try and learn about things that I don't know about and acknowledge when I don't know about things. I don't know. When do you feel like that really started to like kick in as like a, a way of being? Well, like you said before, we have a pretty big age gap. Um, and my age gap with Cam, our other brother, isn't much smaller. So when I grew up, like I was around adults all the time. Um, you know, I, I saw kids at school and on playdates, but I hung out with mom and dad and their friends all the time. And I think I was pretty aware that people were always going to tell me that I didn't know everything. Um, and I think for a little while I resented it because I hate hearing adults telling young people that but I have kind of realized that like it's 
that's not the problem. The problem is when we decide that we do know everything or we decide that we're happy with what we know and that we we're, we're comfortable enough to stop like going out and learning new things and, and becoming more aware of what's going on. Yeah. When we stop questioning. Yeah. So I think like from a young age, I've questioned a lot just because I wanted to, you know, be able to participate in conversations that I was being told I had no space in, but, but also I think another part of growing up with social media is that you're way more connected to people all around the world. Um, kind of start to realize that like you don't know anything about anyone else um, and their experience until you ask them about it or like go out and do research about it and even then you're never going to know everything. Yeah and you've been uh, really blessed to have gotten to experience different countries even at a really young age through different school trips. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and like what you learned and what it was like? Um, yeah, I guess, well, as context, um, I have been on three school trips, I believe. Um, well, one of them wasn't through school. But I spent three weeks in Mexico in seventh grade. Um, and honestly, I don't remember much about what I learned. <laughs> as bad as that sounds, like I, I was pretty young and it was pretty scary to be away from home for three weeks. Um, and I had a really hard time staying staying um but I went on a couple more when I was in high school and a little bit older um and I went to Japan on one of those trips and that was actually with my soccer team hi scout (laughs) (laughs) hi scout uh um yeah I went I went to Japan on a trip with my soccer team uh, my sophomore year of high school, and we stayed with families who were living in a small town um, about two hours north of Nagasaki. Um, and that trip was like the best experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and mostly because like I didn't feel like we were being super touristy I guess um not to say that I was experiencing everything like people in Japan do but I was able to stay with a family and like travel around playing different soccer teams um 
around that area and it was awesome we got our asses kicked so bad by these like nine and ten year old boys and girls um it was super humbling (laughs) um and then you know we spent a day and we went to Nagasaki um and we went to the memorial for the atomic bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki and that was super I mean I don't even have words to describe it it was completely emotional um I'm one who laughs when I'm uncomfortable um I don't like in sad situations and happy situations I I can't help it I, I just kind of laugh but you walked into this memorial museum and like there wasn't even the tiniest glimpse of like, like you couldn't laugh. And I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but it kind of changed my perspective on how I talk about and think about people from different areas around the world, different countries around the world. Um, it, it made me think a lot about the, the problem with seeing people as other or like, like if, if you see people from a different country as other than you, then you can be capable of accepting something that just like massacres millions of people. Um, So that was super um, profound. Yeah. That's a really profound lesson that I think a lot of people don't ever get in their life. And that that's, you were getting it at a young age. Yeah. Like dehumanizing somebody makes it so that you don't see them as human and then anything can be done and it's not a problem. Completely. And I don't know that there's any way to stop ourselves from like seeing people as other until we actually connect with them. Um, but I think like even just having the awareness that you can fall into that mindset is super important. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess the, the other school trip I went on was to Spain um, the summer before my senior year of high school. And honestly, I, like it was nothing to do with Spain and everything to do with the experience that I had there but after going to Japan and being able to stay with Japanese families and like play soccer with these Japanese soccer teams and then going to Spain and like sitting in a tourist bus and driving around um 
it just wasn't, it wasn't profound in any way. Um, and that's not to say that it wasn't fun because it was, and I'm like, it's, it's dumb to be complaining about that because (laughs) there are so many people who will never have the opportunity to go even to another country. Um, But I think if you are going to go out and travel, doing it in that way just takes all of the realness out of it. Um, And in my opinion, it's not worth it. Uh. Yeah, I feel a similar way about a lot of trips that happen just like I don't know, at resort spots where it's, like, all-inclusive and, like, sure, it's, the weather's nice and you can have a nice little time with your family and that's cool, but, like, you could just do that locally and have the same type of experience. Maybe, I mean, you don't, maybe you don't have palm trees and warm weather, but it's, like, uh, it's such a vanilla experience. Yeah, and in so many situations those like crazy all-inclusive resorts are just like on top of stolen land built by people who don't have enough money or resources themselves and are making this like luxury resort for foreigners to come and play on their beaches Um, and the luxury resort is owned by foreigners yep who just like came in and did that. And so it's like completely using the land, the resources, the people, the local flavor to, yeah. it's like, it's like the worst cultural appropriation that you could really do. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Now this is a podcast about creativity and how everybody's creative. Yes. Um, what ways, in what ways do you exercise creativity? Um, I guess I see most of my creativity coming from like my ideas about things. Um, I hate the term devil's advocate because I think that that doesn't really get us anywhere. But if you're able to ask good questions, I think it helps a lot when it comes to solving any sort of problem. Um, So I like to practice creativity and like the questions that I'm asking and the way that I'm thinking about problems that, or situations or really anything. um, I try and think about it differently just like however I can think about it in a new way ask questions that haven't been asked before um does that answer the question yeah I think so like creative problem solving and like what yeah and it and I I see you do that you know and I mean it's really fun like getting to know you every time that we hang out you know, and like getting to know this new version of you because yeah. you're always growing and you're growing at such a faster rate than like me or Cam because we're already adults established in our lives. And 
that's one thing that I've definitely noticed like seeing a situation and then uh yeah throwing questions at it and testing it sort of like stress testing stuff and i mean you were you were on track in school to be an engineer like do you feel like that sort of way of thinking is like does it come from that no i don't think so i think that way of thinking is what led me to think I wanted to be an engineer. Um, because with engineering, like you always want to solve your problems in the most efficient way, like whether it's a bridge or, oh man, I haven't taken an engineering class in a while. But I think that I got in this mindset that problem solving and that creative problem solving mindset would could only be used in like a stem profession particularly engineering Mm. okay and then you're hanging out with a couple little sweet girls all the time how's how does creativity come in with hanging out with little with little ones um well I definitely have to be creative in my approaches to them um it's funny because they're really really smart but they're also still little kids um so like the other day our our oldest niece scout like read the entire book the Lorax which if you haven't read it highly recommend Um, but she read it memory to me just like pretty much word for word got all of the weird Dr. Seuss words completely correct and then we had like a 45 minute argument where we were just going in circles and I was trying to like use different approaches and and you know try and say the thing I was saying in a different way so she might get it but at a certain point, like she's also five and at some points it's going to be a five-year-old. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm definitely having to like find that balance of allowing, giving them for their creativity and their intelligence to blossom, but also still taking care of them and recognizing that they're little humans. Um, who also just need to grow in their, like, you know, the way that we all need to grow in our emotional intelligence and all of that. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're creating a ring or sort of like a a pen for them to be funky and weird and learn and grow. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, well, don't go outside of that. Yes. Yes, there's like a, a safety ring, and um, they it's fun seeing them too because they're really creative, um, in so many ways. And they always ask the question, Why? Like, why this? Why that? Why that? Why that? Um, <laughs> and sometimes you get to the end of one of those trains of questioning, and 
you have no idea why anymore. (laughs) But I think that kind of teaches you a lot also. Yeah, like what, I mean, you're teaching them all the time, but what do they, it goes both ways. Yeah. Do you feel like I'm going to ask why for everything now. (laughs) Over and over and over and over. There's, um, I've heard that sort of a, a line of thinking before um, where it's like this is used on adults in terms of like helping them find their way, their path in life. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's good for like entrepreneurs or anyone who's like just trying to figure out who they are and what, what direction they want to go in their life. And you ask like, okay, what are, what are you into? And then I'd say like art. And they say, well, why is that important? And I'd say, because I like being creative. And they're like, well, why is it important to be creative? And then I'd say, because it uh, it's like a, an expression of your your true self. It's like, well, why is it important to be an expression of your true? And so you you do it. You ask why seven times, and uh, by the end, it's like people people like cry because it's so powerful. It's like it's uh it like gets gets underneath everything like it gets four layers deeper than you've ever thought in terms of the depth of of it and um, yeah yeah i mean you can ask yourself to it too with the whole thing it's an interesting exercise yeah no kidding i've definitely cried after a two-year-old has asked me why i'm you know, pouring a drink the way I am. (laughs) (laughs) But just on bad days. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) What else? What do you think? You got any questions? You got, what do you think about creativity? Um, well, here's what I wonder, because my so much of like the way that I think and and the scope of what I think of in right now is like politics. And in my mind, I think every action can be tied back to your, like your politics or can add up to your politics. So I would like to ask you what you think or how you see art and creativity playing a role in politics, especially today when like our country's so divided and we are coming up on a really important presidential election. Hmm. Interesting. How does art and creativity play into the political world of today? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I feel like in Obama's campaign, maybe his first one where Shepard Ferry did the design, like the, the image of, of Obama, the hope posters. Yeah. Um, it's like that was using art and design in a new way that hadn't really been done before. Like it, it was cool. It was beautiful. It was like using one of the best artists of the day and then using that style to like – 
get a political message or like push or uh, just a feeling, you know, and um, like there's so much innovation that happened in the Obama campaigns, like using social media. And uh, from that, like the, the Trump campaign used that in the last election um, and used social media so much more than they ever had before. It seems like the Republican Party's really jumped on that boat and is going all in with it, um, trying to... And I guess, like, I see... It's interesting to me how, like, the two parties have sort of a different... Both parties are using red, white, and blue. Yeah. But they use different versions of it. And... I always think that it's interesting how you can, like, you could guess what party uh, a commercial is for just by judging on the color spectrum. Like, um, there's, like, different, like, more, like, different blues, different reds that the Democratic side will use versus the Republican side. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of that, like, art and design is, like, connecting to people on a like a subconscious level and using it for political persuasion yeah um yeah and that's an interesting part to me and you can see it on this like same thing like you watch fox news versus um i don't know msnbc and like the the color range the color spectrum is different in in like the news scenes and everything and um yeah i guess it's it's interesting for me to watch and then like and then take notice of the feeling that i get when i look at different colors because different color arrangements like elicit a different emotional feeling and response and which is part of the why reason why those those spectrums are used by different sides and then different groups of people connect differently with them and uh yeah it's almost like a there's like an energetic vibration going on that people that people connect with through like the color spectrum and wavelengths yeah yeah what are your thoughts well my thoughts are like way more political i i think it's really interesting hearing your thoughts because like I mean you're my big brother I I've known you my whole life um (laughs) like you seem like such an artist and in the best way ever because I never would have thought about like the colors of political campaigns like in my mind you know art is always political because or not always political but art can be political by like who it speaks to and you know something that can be so complicated in political terms or in policy can be laid out so simply in artwork um or so beautifully or in such a way that like more people can understand it and I think that that probably has a lot to do with like the colors and the makeup of a piece of artwork um 
but my brain never sees it like that like my brain goes straight to like oh who is what is this conveying and who is it conveying it to and your brain goes to like how it's conveying it which I just think is really interesting oh yeah and I, I that's the that's some of the stuff that's really intriguing to me as an artist and I'm like trying to be cognizant of because color and and things like that those are elements that can kind of go under the radar for most people like i i'm aware of the color spectrums and how like you know bright red is going to elicit a different feeling from your from your bodily response when you look at it than like a maroon red you know like you get it like it makes you feel differently and a lot of and that just like goes right by so many people but it is impacting them and so you know in political commercial yeah political commercials a lot of times uh they do the type of thing where it's like when they're talking about the the other person it'll be the the screen will be in black and white or there'll be like red involved with black and white it'll be a grayscale and then they switch to their candidate who they who the commercials for and everything's in color everything seems bright and nice and flowy and like you don't even need to hear what they're they're talking about to get the idea of like who's the bad guy and who's the good guy and i mean you see it all the time on commercials for drug for drugs like yeah. flonase blah, blah blah oh are you sneezing black and white dark, like dark everything's sad and then you go outside and it's like you peel back the layer where you get to feel color again and like all those same things are all happening in in so much um yeah promotional media it's like there's so much propaganda that's done through art and it's been like that for hundreds of years like propaganda is not a new thing and using art as propaganda is definitely not a new thing yeah and i like i think it's really important especially right now for everyone to find kind of their space in the movements that are important to them um and i i pay a lot of attention to Shutesca martinez who's a youth climate activist who's also a rapper and he's talked a lot about how like he kind of found himself way more in the movement when he was like creating music about the movement um and I think you're able to reach people so much easier if you're communicating in a way that makes sense to you and so for artists like we need artists in the movement for the climate crisis the black lives matter uh movement like we need artists in all of these movements because people need art in their lives and people need art to convey things that words just can't um and so i think a lot about about that and about how how necessary it is in politics and in our day-to-day lives yeah yeah absolutely every 
everyone's needed especially the artists especially the creatives the thinkers the designers the dreamers yeah um all right i got some questions for you you ready yep okay if you could go back to i mean you're just a baby still but if you could go back like 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago and give little mia advice one piece of advice what would it be oh boy one piece of advice i think it would be this is a hard question i feel like i oh man maybe just that like when like it's not okay let me start over I would tell my past self that it's okay to try and it's not uncool to try and be passionate and like want to succeed or excel in any area. I think that's a really good, good uh, statement. And it's a good way to say it, that it's not uncool. Cause I feel like I went, I've gone through those phases too, where like, I want to shine more, but mm-hmm. uh, I've been afraid at times of like sticking my neck out and like making a statement or making a move or doing whatever because uh, fear of judgment. Yeah. Well, and if you are trying to look like you're not trying, then you're trying way harder than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> by not trying <laughs> by looking like not trying <laughs> yeah. yep yeah yeah it's the funny like paradox of cool it's like we have this idea of like being cool is to just sort of like look good while doing what you do but not trying too hard and and, and I don't know if that's like an American thing or if it's a worldwide thing it's just like a human thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. I just I feel like I grew up kind of going back and forth between this idea of like you know, I need to look nice, but if I look like I'm trying to look nice, then it ruins everything. <laughs> but like no, if I'm and this is just an example, but like, if I'm going to dress up, if I'm going to put makeup on, I want people to know how much work I put into it and appreciate all of that work. Um, because like, who cares if you tried on anything? Who cares if you tried really, really hard to, you know, write an amazing essay? Like if you're proud of it, then you should want people to know that the work you like you should want people to know the work you put into it and be proud of that work it makes no sense to want people to think it came easy to you right i think it's interesting what these days has done to the whole concept of like who cares like as in like covid has sort of made it so that 
like people can't they can't go out and interact and like be seen be seen like dressed well or you know everyone's just kind of in their home doing their thing and so like dressing up is is just sort of fallen by the wayside it's like it there's a whole new perspective on like who cares Mm-hmm. and really what it boils down to like with people's jobs and like working at home and like it doesn't really matter how you look like just do the job like make yeah. sure that it's done well and uh this whole time period and experience we've gone through is like put a whole new like pressure on that whole new twist yeah definitely all right another question okay what is the most influential piece of media that you have experienced in recent times and this can be a book a podcast a class a statement a play a movie uh an album whatever you want um what's hit you the hardest I took a an introduction to international relations class my freshman year of college. Um, and it was literally just one lecture, but my professor talked about climate change and how it relates to international relations. And the whole quarter we had built up like all of these different problems within international relations and there was one day where we talked about them with regard to climate change and it like shocked my system um, because I finally felt like I could grab a solution, I guess, or like a way that I could work towards a solution. Like it became um, like attainable or something that was like concrete. Yeah, I I felt pretty helpless for a while in this, like, huge issue that is the climate crisis. Um, And it was during that lecture where I felt just a little bit less helpless. Like, I could find my place in the solution. Hmm. And what was that little nugget of wisdom? Um, well, I mean, we talked about a few things, but the the big one was this issue called, or idea called the tragedy of the commons, which is basically this idea that, I mean, it's a story. So if you had one acre of land and there were five, and they each had a cow, And at first, each cow got to graze on the acre of land for one hour a day. And everyone was happy. The grass was going back fine. The cows were healthy, full. Families were happy because they could drink milk and survive off the cow. But then all of a sudden, one of the families starts to let their cow graze another hour. And then all of the families start doing that. And then eventually all of the cows are just grazing all day long. And it's great. The cows are way bigger. You know, they can get more meat. They can drink more milk. But the acre of land 
is no longer able to replenish itself. Um, and so it's this like theoretical challenge that is the commons and the commons is that acre of land. And the problem is that everyone acts in their own self-interest. And so like in that example, everyone wants their cow to have the most grass so that they can drink the most milk and get the most meat or whatever it is. But if everyone is only focused on their own self-interest, we're always going to deplete that land. We're always going to deplete the commons. And it's only when we solve that problem of like self-interest and people working towards self-interest that we're going to be able to solve the climate crisis. Um, so that was, that was where I, it clicked for me then. Um, and I still have no clue how to solve that problem, but <laughs> that made sense to me. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you can't fix a problem until you identify it. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, last question for you is, uh, what's your definition of art? Oh man. Um, I took a theory of knowledge class in high school that I would love to have my journal from because we talked about this a lot. Um, I think you can look at art from the perspective of the artist and then from the perspective of um, the audience. And if you're looking at it from the artist, I think it's like, something that has intention you know really that it was intentional that it was intentional art but I think if you're looking at it from like the beholder I think anything and everything can be art honestly like I don't know there's artwork in nature there's artwork in math there's artwork in animals and kids and I don't know in everything I feel like that's not really a definition but but I like how you broke that down I mean you uh you chose to look at it from the two perspectives which is really great not yeah I don't know if uh, other people have really done that to that answer so mm. nice work thank you <laughs> uh well this is the part of the interview where I acknowledge my guests for being on. So thank you for being on the podcast, Mia. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I've known you since the day you were born and I held you the first night you were born and you've just gotten more and more awesome all the time ever since there, since then. And uh, yeah, it's really fun watching you grow up and become the, the adult human that you are with the mind that you have and um, all the, awesome attributes of yours and i love you very much so this has been really fun oh well thanks i love you <laughs> too and thanks for thanks for having me on this it's pretty cool yeah. yeah you like it yeah yeah it is how many podcast interviews have you done uh, uh not counting this one zero all right <laughs> Well, this is great. I mean, who knows where you're going to go with your life, but uh, being able to be on an interview is definitely a skill. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs>
Um, yeah, let's see. Do you have uh, one last bit of wisdom for the people? Um, what do you got? Just uh, first thing that comes to mind. Don't act like you know everything. Listen to people. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect. If yeah. everybody acted like that and uh, listen to that, that w- the world would be in a better shape. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right, Mia. Well, thank you for being on. This has been awesome. Cool. Thank you for having me. Definitely. I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. So that, my friends, was little, sweet, awesome Mia Belting. Um, She's my sister. She's the best. She's, you know, just a... just a young human making it in a big world and doing the best you can, just like all the rest of them. Uh, it's always really interesting to me through all of this stuff that's going on with our crazy world, just like what it's got to be like for like a 19 year old, just seeing all this and being like, wow, this is all really crazy. And it's not what we were told it was going to be like. Um, but everybody's doing the best that they can and you know, that's admirable. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I definitely did. Um, I just want to record so many conversations with so many people because they're a blast. And I feel like there's so much wisdom in, in everybody. And I really want to bring that out and bring that to people for uh, inspiration and, you know, thought-provoking elements and just inspire to inspire that is the goal um because it's inspiring me because people around me inspire me all the time including my little sister mia so with that i hope that you go out and you do something creative you uh you know go change the world make it all a better place for everybody (laughs) in whatever way that works for you cheers